always love to hear from great theologians like the ladies on The View. I'm just telling you, because if anybody knows about talking and listening to Jesus, obviously it's the ladies on The View. But can you talk and can you hear from Jesus? We're going to talk about that this weekend. But before we get there, I'm excited to announce that next year, we're giving you a lot of time to plan, November 1st, 2019, it's our next trip to Israel. Many of you have said you're interested in going, so I want you to know it's now available. You can go online, you can uh, go to the website, just type in uh, or search for uh, Holy Land. It'll come up, it'll give you all the details. The only reason I'm announcing it is if you pay your deposit by September 1st of this year, you actually save, it's the early deposit, and you save 150 bucks or so per person. But it will tell you all the information. Uh, there are brochures at all all of our campuses at the next step. If you want to do something that will absolutely change your life, and I, when I say that, I am not, I, I'm not underselling it. It will change your life when you go and spend 11 days there. It will change how you read the Bible. It will change how you see your relationship with Christ. And you ought to just think about it. I think every Christian ought to go at least one time. So we give you a whole year to get ready for that. Quit drinking Starbucks. You'll, be, you'll have all the money you need to make, a, make the trip. So check that out. Now this is the second week and the final week. How weird is that? of our series, Hashtag Amen. We are talking about prayer. Last weekend, we talked about the importance of us talking to God and that when we talk to God, we can move the heart of God. God will actually change his mind when we talk to him. And a lot of us, we just didn't realize that, but we saw it over and over again in the Bible. This weekend, we're gonna talk about the importance of listening to God. And we need to balance it out because I think we all experience times in our life where we need God to do something, right? And we need it done. We want it done right now. I mean, even if you're not a religious person, you know that feeling. You know what it's like, man, I need a job. God, I need financial help. God, I got this situation going on physically. I got this illness, I need help now. God, I got a problem in this relationship right now. And so we're kind of like, God, God, this situation is out of my control. I need you to do something. I need you to fix something. God, I need you to intervene in something and I need you to do it right now. But what if instead of doing something, what if instead of fixing something, what if instead of intervening in something, what if God wanted to say something? I mean, what if God from his perspective in heaven central knew that nothing really needed to be done, nothing really needed to be said, what if he knew, or nothing really needed to be done or fixed? What if he just knew something needed to be said? Now here's my question to you, would you hear him? You see, I've, I've never met anyone, ever, I've never met anyone who wasn't comfortable telling God what they thought he ought to do and what he needed to fix. See, we all do that, right? I mean, even, even if you're not a Christian, you pray. See, that's what I know about you. You may be here this weekend and say, I don't even believe there's a God, but there's something I know about you, you pray. I mean, when you're backed in a corner and you don't have any other options, I promise you, you're like, man, I'm gonna at least try it. Who knows, maybe there is a God. I mean, you wanna make sure every box is checked. You wanna leave every option open. You are going to pray and depending on the pain, depending on the pressure, depending on say the dysfunction of the situation that you find yourself, this is what else I know about you. The intensity of your prayer will go up. It will go up. My point is simply this, talking is not the problem. We have no problem talking to God, pleading with God, asking God for help. But how, do, how well do we listen to God, because here's the thing, chances are as you go through life, you're going to experience situations and issues and you're going to want God to do something. But I can tell you based on experience, sometimes God is going to respond, I don't want to do anything. But Mike, I would like to say something if you could just shut up and listen. Now let me tell you why this is so important. 
Most of us, if we were to think back about our biggest regrets in life, chances are, seriously, chances are if we had listened to God and then if we had followed through on what he said, we could have avoided some of our biggest tragedies in life. If we would have just listened to God, we could have avoided some major pitfalls. See, the problem isn't that we didn't talk to God. The problem is that we didn't listen to God. But you got to understand, for there to be a relationship, an intimate relationship between two people, there has to be communication. And you and I both know that communication isn't just about talking. I mean, we've all been in conversations where the other per person did all the talking. That's my life when people come to my office, especially when they start out and say, this is going to take a while. I'm sorry. My spirit just goes, I mean, and then, and then it's talk, talk. Have you ever been in a situation like, if you don't stop talking, my head will explode, right? And, and, and they think that you're communicating, but you're not communicating because someone's just talking. There's no listening. There's no processing. There's no response. Nobody's listening. It's not sinking in. My point is for there to be genuine communication, not only does someone have to talk, someone has to listen. Someone has to respond. And so the question I want to address this weekend is this, do you actually know how to communicate with God? Not do you know how to talk to God? We all do that. Do you know how to hear God? Do you know how to listen to God? And thankfully, nobody practiced this more than Jesus when he was on this earth. In fact, I'm telling you, if you study the Gospels, you'll see that the, the habit and the priority of Jesus's life was his one-on-one -on -one quiet time with the Father. Regardless of what was going on, regardless of what the people around him needed, regardless of what the crowds expected, we find Jesus carving out time, not just to talk, but to listen to the Father. In fact, let me just show you a couple of places in the Bible where you see this. Mark chapter 1, verse 32, it says, that evening after sunset, the people brought, Jesus, brought to Jesus all the sick and demon-possessed. By the way, isn't that a great way to spend your evening? You've worked all day, Jesus finally gets home, he's tired, he's exhausted, he takes a shower, makes a sandwich, plops on the couch, turns on Sports Center. Yeah, I'm blind, could you heal me? Sure. Hey, I'm lame, could you heal me? Sure. Hey, I have an issue of blood, could you take care of that? Sure. Hey, listen, I got demons, could you take care of that? Sure. This goes on all night long. In fact, it goes on to say, the whole town gathered at the door. I mean, can you imagine, I live in Holly Springs, if the whole town gathered at my door. Now understand, houses back then, they're not the way they are today. They were one, two rooms at the most, probably less than 200 square feet. It wasn't like you could get a lot of people in your home, but this says the whole town. So 500, 1,500, 2,000 people came to the door. And think about the picture, they're just lining up to see Jesus. Now, why would they do that? Well, it's because the, the word was on the street. He was the miracle worker. I mean, let's face it, that would be a big deal today if we knew that someone lived on our block was a miracle worker. I mean, how long would you wait in line? How long would you stand in line to be healed if it was the only hope that you had? Well, you would stand as long as you needed to stand, right? So this is kind of what's going on where Jesus is staying. But notice what it says in verse 33. The whole town gathered at the door and Jesus healed many who had various diseases. He also drove out many demons, but he would not let the demons speak because they knew who he was. Very early in the morning. So picture this, he's worked all day. He's been up all night answering the door and dealing with issues as people have lined up outside the door. Very early in the morning, verse 35, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Simon and his companions went to look for him and when they found him, they exclaimed, everyone is looking 
for you. In other words, Jesus, what are you doing here? We're not finished. There's more ministry to be done. There's more work to be done. There are more miracles to be performed. And the implication is, hey, Jesus, why are you out here praying all by yourself? Don't you understand? Don't you know what needs to be done? But it didn't matter to Jesus. He needed to be with the Father. You go over to Mark chapter 6. It's probably Jesus' most popular miracle. It's when he fed the 5,000. And if you read the story, all the writers say that he fed 5,000 men which doesn't include the women and the children. So add in the, the wives, the moms, the kids. We've got maybe 10, 12, maybe 15,000 people that are on the hillside that day. And Jesus fill, feeds them all. Remember that? And he, there's food left over. And after the miracle, I mean, the people, they are so jacked up. They are so excited about what Jesus just did. I mean, they are ready to proclaim him king. And the disciples are thinking, finally, Finally is happening. Finally is coming together. This is the moment we've been waiting for. Finally, we're getting some traction. Finally, we're getting some momentum. But look at what happened in chapter four of Mark, verse six, or chapter six, verse 45. Immediately, Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to Bethsaida while he dismissed the crowd. After leaving them, he went up on a mountainside to pray. And if you continue to read the story in Mark chapter six, you know what you'll discover? They were ticked off. They were mad at Jesus because he was spending time with the Father. I mean, there's stuff to get done, right? A few years ago, Christianity Today, it's a magazine I used to subscribe to, uh, they did a little spoof on what would, it would have been like if instead of 12 disciples, Jesus would have had like 12 board members, like a deacon board. And so they wrote a little spoof of what an interaction would have looked like, and maybe this is more true than not. Uh, it begins by Peter saying, this meeting has been called at the request of, Ma uh, uh, of, of Matthew, John, Thomas, and James. Bart, will you please open with prayer? Bartholomew, almighty God, we ask your blessing on all we do and say and earnestly pray that you will see our sight as your sight. Amen. Peter, Jesus, this is a hard conversation but we've been following you around for some time and we're getting concerned about the attendance. Thomas, how many were on the hill yesterday? Thomas, 37. Peter, it's getting to be ridiculous. You're gonna have to pep things up. We expect things to happen. We're not even gonna be able to meet payroll, John. I'd like to suggest you pull off more miracles. That walking on the water bit was the most exciting thing I have ever seen in my life, but only a few of us saw it. If a thousand or so had had a chance to witness it, we would have more up on the hill than we could even count. James, I agree. The healing miracles are terrific, but only a limited number really get to see what has happened. Let's have more water to wine, more fish and chips. It never hurts to fill their stomachs. Steal more storms, give more signs. This is what the want people want and this is what the people need. Peter, right. And another thing, publicity is essential. And you tell half the people you cure not to tell anyone, to keep it to themselves. Let the word get around. Matthew, hey, I'm all for the miracles, but I want to hear a few stories that I can actually understand. This, those who have ears to hear stuff, it's got to stop. It just clouds the issues. You got to make it clear on most of us, we're not going to be able to take anything home. James, I'd like to offer an order of service. First a story, then a big miracle, followed by an offering, and then maybe, you know, you say something, followed by a small miracle to bring them back next time. Oh yeah, and, and pray if you'd like. Thomas, we gotta do something. James, that's for sure, attendance has been awful. Judas, I'd like to say if we're gonna continue to meet in this upper room, we gotta do something about the carpet. 
See, I understand that. I used to be in a Baptist church. See, I, I've worked in a deacon-possessed church. That's what I used to call them back then, a deacon-possessed church, right? So, I mean, I mean so they're, they're, they're upset. I mean, Jesus is off praying. All of this action is going on. I mean, I mean, I mean, it's just, it's absolutely crazy. And they're like, hey, listen, Jesus, what are you thinking? We've got them right where we want them. This is exactly what we've been waiting for. But Jesus is like, yeah, I know, I know. But I really just need to go and spend some time with the Father. Why don't, why don't you guys get in the boat, go ahead and go across the lake. I'll catch up with you later. One more story, Luke chapter five, verse 15. It says, the news about him spread all the more so that the crowds of people came to hear him and to be healed of their sicknesses. But Jesus, here it is, often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. By the way, do you see the contrast here? They're busier than ever. There's more to do than ever. There are more needs than ever. The expectations of the people in the crowds, they're higher than they have ever been before. But Jesus, in situations just like this one, he would slip away to some solitary private place and alone, he would spend time with the Father. Now, why would he do that? Well, it's because Jesus understood this principle. To do the will of the Father, you gotta know the will of the Father. If you're gonna do the will of the Father, you gotta know what it is that he wants you to do. I alluded to this verse last week, but let me share it with you. Remember I said, Jesus, when they were talking about his teaching, he said, I don't say anything that father hasn't told me first. John chapter 12, verse 49. I did not speak on my own, but the father who sent me commanded me to say all that I have spoken. How about John chapter 17, verse four, Jesus is praying before he's arrested. I have brought you glory on earth by finishing the work you gave me to do. Even in the garden of Gethsemane, why did Jesus pray? Hey, God, father, this is what I'd like to happen, but at the end of the day, it's not about my desire. It's that your desire, your will be done. To do the will of the Father, Jesus understood. You have to know the will of the Father. And so Jesus knew that to know it, you have to hear it. And he knew that to hear it, you gotta spend some time listening. So Jesus made his time alone with the Father. He made it priority over the needs of the people. He made it priority over work. He made it priority over ministry. He made it priority over expectations because he knew that he couldn't do the will of the Father if he didn't know what it was, if he didn't hear it. And he knew that you can't listen in a crowd. And he knew that you can't listen in the busyness of life. And he knew that you can't listen while you're driving 80 miles an hour down 540 trying to beat everybody else to work. Jesus knew the only way you can listen to the Father is to get alone with the Father. I wanna give you two reasons why this is so important. First of all, listening to God keeps things with God relationally. In fact, if you're not in the habit of talking to God and listening to God, eventually your Christianity will become just a day in the week. I mean, for some of you here this weekend, when you were growing up, religion to you was being at a particular place, a particular building on a particular day. And if some, in fact, if someone were to walk up to you and say, hey, are you a Christian? Your response would be, yeah, I go to such and such a church. You fill in the blank. Or maybe, maybe they would come up to you and they would ask you, hey, what's your religious background? And you would say, oh, well, I'm Methodist or I'm Baptist or I'm Presbyterian or I'm Catholic, which meant on Sunday, I go to that building. But my point is this, if there's just talking and no listening, your entire Christian experience is gonna become a routine. 
It's going to become a ritual. And nothing transitions us from ritual and routine to relationship like one-on-one time with God. It's because this is what I want you to understand this weekend. God wants to speak to you. Forget what the people on The View say. Forget what the skeptics in our culture say. I'm telling you, as a believer, as a Christian, as someone who's been reconciled back to God through the blood of Jesus Christ and what he did for you on the Christ, your heavenly Father wants to speak to you. Yeah, sometimes he can use me to speak to you on the weekend. Sometimes he can speak through something that happens in your small group. But I'm telling you something, your heavenly Father wants to know you personally. There are things that he wants to say specifically to you and for you to be able to hear him, you're going to have to carve out some time with him, not just to talk to him, but sometimes just to be quiet and to listen. And it's got to be a priority because it's the one thing that keeps it relational. He wants a relationship with you. He wants to spend time with you. So listening to God keeps it relational. Second, listening to God enhances the accountability between you and God. For example, I I can sit up here and talk about husbands loving their wives and wives submitting to their husbands, but let's be honest, by next weekend, I moved on to something else and you forgot everything I talked about weekend, last weekend. I mean, the statistics say that you forget 90% of what I say within an hour. And that really hurts my feelings, by the way. But that's just the way it is. That's the way. So there's no way you can even remember what we talked about last week. I mean, that stuff is gone. I mean, you can go to your small group and you can study great biblical principles and truths and you can discuss and you can ask questions and you can hold each other accountable. But I'm telling you, in the quietness of your time with God, when God begins to speak to you, a particular issue in your life, maybe it has to do with your career. Maybe it has to do with a relationship. Maybe it has to do with some dysfunction in your life. I'm telling you, when God begins to speak to you directly, there's a heightened sense of accountability that will push you towards change, being conformed to the image of Jesus Christ like nothing else you can do in your life. I can't even begin to tell you all the times that God has spoken to me just during that one-on-one time. I've told you before, I was sitting in a conference and Rick Warren said, some of you guys should go plant a church. You're pastoring a church, you're playing it safe. You should go plant a church. And that was a great thought. But the other side of me said, that's stupid. I live in a beautiful home in San Francisco with a pool. I pastor a great church. My kids have a huge private school they go to free. They don't pay for that. I get to go to Hawaii on the weekends and sometimes three-day weekends because it's just a jump across the pond. That was a great life. Laura was a music major, so she taught music just part-time because she wanted to. We had a look. Why would I walk away from that? Why would I walk away from all that security? But God wouldn't let it go. He's like, I got something else for you. I want you to do this. So I went and told Laura, honey, I think God wants us to do this. She said, I ain't doing it. Well, God, you got a problem with her because she's nowhere near as spiritual as I am. At least I was open to considering it, right? So literally, I said, God, you're going to talk to her. I'm not going to try to manipulate her, talk her into it. I'm not bringing her across the country with the kids away from her family in California and her hate it. And we just got, it was nine months. And I cannot tell you how many times in my quiet time I started to say something. I mean, I wanted to bring her back to North Carolina to visit. And God would be like, stop. My time. And then finally, on her birthday, at a birthday dinner, her and I went out for her birthday. And she said, out of the blue, do you still think sometimes about starting a new church? And the door was open and God began to, I would have missed that if I hadn't spent time talking to God. And I can't imagine it. I can't imagine what my life would be like if, if I missed his will for me 
as it relates to Hope Community Church. Some of you have missed that. Some of you are way off track. You know, God says, I got plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans for your future. You're like, why is my life not that great? My guess is somewhere on, the, around the, on your journey where God was saying, hey, I want you to turn left. You weren't listening, so you turned right. And you're on a whole different path. Now, that doesn't mean that God can't bless you and bring you back in line, but I tell you what, it's going to require you to listen. I'll never forget one time I met a, ca- a family at the Raleigh Coffee Shop, and they walked up to me and they said, Pastor Mike, could you just pray for us? And they began to tell me about their situation. They lost the work. They were in incredible financial strain. They couldn't pay the mortgage. And my first instinct was, Laura and I were in a position we could do that. We could do that. But I went home, and you know what I did? I prayed about it. And have you noticed when you pray about stuff, that's really an excuse not to do it? Like you, people will say, hey, would you come serve in Kid City? I'll pray about it. That's a lie. You ain't going to pray about it. <laughs> God's going to strike you with the emeralds or something out of the Old Testament. And you know what that is. But anyway, but you know what? I learned when I can pray about it, I can negotiate it down to about 20% of what I was going to do. And I actually gave them the 20%. And you know what God told me in my quiet time one morning? I mean, just his spirit just connected with my spirit. It's not like I heard an audible voice, but it was just clear as day. He said, hey, Mike, your first instinct's always the right one. That's my spirit talking to you. And I went back and shared that with Laura. You know what? We've lived our lives like ever, ever since. In fact, when we did the capital campaign and we built the Apex Building, this is what we said. You pray a week, I'll pray a week. We're not even going to discuss it. We'll come back in a week. And we came back with the biggest, hairy, bodacious goal to give above our regular giving. And both of us, it it was the exact same amount. Because I'm telling you, if you listen to God, he'll move in your heart. He'll move in your spirit. He will speak to you. And I could go on and on and on and on and on. But I'll tell you this. God once led me to confess something to somebody. They would have never known if I hadn't told them. And this is something that I had been carrying for years. It's something I felt guilty about for years and they would have never ever known it and God would bring it up in just my quiet time. I don't care what I was reading, I don't care what I was thinking through, God would remind me of it and God said, you need to take care of it. And I'm like, God, that's just too complicated. I mean, this could happen, da, 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 da. But finally, I felt like God was saying, Mike, I really wanna use you, but I'm not gonna be able to use you till you deal with this. So I went to the person that I had offended and I I confessed it. And you know how sometimes people say, oh, I wish I'd have done it earlier. It was nowhere near as bad as I was gonna thought it'd be. Actually, it was worse than I ever could have imagined it would be. And there was incredible hurt. And to this day, when I think about that, just, you know, but here at the same time, But you know what's so good about it? As painful as it was, I know that I was doing the right thing because I was doing what God told me to do. I was doing the will of the Father. Let me tell you something. Do you know when that came up? Not when I was standing in church singing a worship song. Not while I was teaching. It came up when it was just me and God. And I'm telling you, it was intensely relational. And as much as I hated the process, as much as I hated the pain that it caused, I am so glad I did it because even when I was saying, no, 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 I can't do it, God, you don't understand, no. Even when I was saying that, do you know what was happening? 
I was interacting with God. I mean, we were going one-on-one. It wasn't about a routine. It wasn't about a day of the week. It wasn't about going to some building. Think about this. The God of creation cared enough about me to address an issue in my life that I'm better for today. And I'm telling you, even if I had continued to say no and I never followed through, and maybe God would have never used me, I would continue to say it, it, it was awesome because this was going on between me and my heavenly father. And I think this is what God wants to say to you this weekend. I think he wants you to hear this. I think he just wants you to hear, I'm interested in you. I'm not interested in just speaking to you through your small group. I'm not just interested in speaking to you through some song or through some sermon. I'm interested in just you and me because there are some things, not just bad things. See, some of you, when I tell you the thing about the money, like, man, I ain't gonna talk to God. That's gonna cost me money. Some of you, I ain't talking. It's not just about money. God said, there's just some things I wanna communicate to you. I wanna tell you how much I love you. I wanna tell you how important you are to me because I need it. You need it. But you're gonna have to carve some priority out of your life if it's gonna happen. Not just so you can talk to me, but so I can say what I wanna say to you. I'm telling you, if you're ever gonna have a really close, intimate relationship with God, if, you've, if it's ever gonna feel like more than just, you know, religion, if it's ever gonna feel more like just following a bunch of rules or jumping through a bunch of hoops, you gotta make this a priority. Now, let me just say this because I know many of us who grew up and went to church, we think, oh, we do things, ooh, God loves us more. Let me just say this, doing this doesn't make you more lovable. Doing this doesn't make you more acceptable to God. You don't get brownie points. You don't get extra blessings. You know, this isn't about earning something or performing so that you impress God. This is simply positioning yourself so that it's easier for God to communicate with you. That's all it's about. And I mean, just, just think of the honor. I mean, think about this. You're getting an invitation to spend time with a God who one day said, let there be light. Who one day looked at his son and said, I want you to go down there and be born in a manger. And I want you to die on the cross for their sins. That same God wants to communicate with you. God's saying, I want to know you and I want you to know me. Would you just give me some time? And God's like, don't be afraid of what I'm gonna say. It's just about me and you having a real relationship together. By the way, do you know what will happen if you don't take the time to listen to God? First of all, as a Christian, you'll never grow. I'll just tell you, your life will never change. You will never become more and more like Jesus because I'm telling you, your whole interaction with God would be this. Give me, give me, give me. Do for me. Do for me, do for me. Fix him, fix her. Bless me, help me. But you'll never know what God wants to do specifically in you. Here's the second thing. If you don't take the time to listen to God, eventually you'll treat God disrespectfully. Eventually you'll treat God like a vending machine. Or you'll treat him maybe like Santa Claus. Your attitude to God will be, I've been really, really good this week. What are you gonna do for me? What are you gonna give me today? You know, what am I going to get in return? See, that, that's how you will treat God, and you will never approach him as the awesome God that he is, as long as it's just talk, 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 ask, 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 beg, 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 please, please, please. And again, you won't be doing it on purpose, but I'm telling you where there's no communication, where there's no time for you just to shut up and listen, 
you'll end up treating God disrespectfully. But do you know what the worst part is? If you don't take time to listen to God, you'll miss God altogether. You'll just miss him. Doesn't mean you won't go to heaven. You'll go to heaven because you've accepted his son as your savior. But you'll miss his plan for you. And you'll miss his comfort when you need it. And you'll miss the encouragement. And you'll miss the times when he'll say, man, I love you so much, but you are just screwing up. And if you don't get it together, I'm not going to be able to do in your life what I really want to do in your life. Right? You see, if God really wants to know you and be known by you, if he wants to communicate with you, but you don't give him the time, you'll just miss all that. And one day you'll get to heaven and God says, hey, let me show you what I had for you. <laughs> if you'd have just talked to me about it. Now, don't get me wrong. Christian life might be, hey, there'll be some good feelings, some good emotions. You know, you'll get a, I don't know what you call it. I call it a liver quiver, a little liver quiver every once in a while during a worship song. You're every, ooh, you know, ooh, that really touched my heart. But in terms, in terms of what God has for you personally, you'll miss it. So my life's no different than, than you. God's got a plan for every one of you to use you in incredible ways for his kingdom. It would blow your mind. But you've got to know the will of the Father to do the will of the Father. And that means you're going to have to listen. So don't miss out on what God has for you. Church is great. This is fun. I love sitting up here on the weekend and talking to you guys. But you've got to understand there's something so beyond this. Your Heavenly Father wants one-on-one -on -one time with you. And maybe you don't know where to start. I'll give you a suggestion in just a minute. But what I want you to hear is this. And this is where some of you are going to shut down. If you really want to know God, you're going to have to prioritize your life. It's got to be more important than people's needs. People will always have needs. It's got to be more important than your work. There'll always be work. It's got to be more important than what we think is urgent. There will always be things that seem urgent to us. Just like Jesus, there will have to be regular times when we pull away from everything, when we step aside from all the distractions of life, and you sit down and you say, God, I've, I've done enough talking and asking and begging. Now I just want you to speak to me. Because I want to know you. I want to know your will. I want to know how we can maximize our potential relationship. I want there to be as close of a relationship as possible between us. I want to be like David. I just want to walk with you and you say, go left, I go left. And when you say right, I go right. And I don't want to lag behind, but God, I don't want to run, I don't want to run ahead of you. I just want to be right there with you. But that's only going to happen as we begin to reprioritize our life and we prioritize our life around our relationship with God. Some of you, this is so foreign to you. Some of you feel like if I didn't give my children 24 hours a day, they would fall off the end of the earth. For some of you, that would be a blessing. I've met them, I've met them. <laughs> I challenge you one week, chart what you do with your time. Just one week. Chart how much time you watch TV. Chart how much time you're on the computer. Chart how much time you're on social media. Chart how much time you play golf or whatever you do in leisure. Chart how much time you talk to your spouse. That didn't take long. And just look at that and say, is there anywhere in here I can carve out some time for God? So let me give you an action step. Tomorrow morning. Just carve out 15 minutes. 
If you need to set your alarm, your phone to get up 15 minutes, carve out 15 minutes to spend with God. Do you know what I do it? I make the coffee every night. I get up crazy hours. Sometimes I'll get up as early as two. Rarely I'm still asleep at five. But when I get up, I go straight to the coffee pot. I flip it on. I go into my office. I turn the light on. And before I turn on ESPN, before I look at my phone, before I check my messages, before I turn on my computer, I spend some time with God. Carve out 15 minutes. I promise you this, it will increase because it's addictive. And you may just sit down tomorrow and say, God, listen, I'm, I'm new at this, and I don't even know if I'm doing this right, but God, this, this is, I just, I want you to speak to me. And that sounds kind of weird, God, but that's what I want. And then just find the book of John. Just find it. It's, it's in the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. It's the most read book in the Bible. And just say, okay, for the next seven minutes, eight minutes, I'm just going to read John chapter 1. And then when you finish reading, say, okay, God, these are the things that are on my heart today. I know my kids are going through this. I know I got this at work. So I just put that before you, and I just pray, God, your will be, will be done in these situations. And now, God, I just want to sit here for a second and see if there's anything you want to impress on me today. It's going to be so weird. And he may not say a word to you. It may be driving home from work where God will impress something on you and you realize God's speaking to you. But you got to start somewhere. And if you will do this, if you will do this simple little thing, I'm telling you, your life's going to change radically. And one day, how I was telling you my stories of how God, what God shared with me, one day you'll have a story to tell. And you'll be an encouragement to someone. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Nothing sexy about this topic. Nothing flashy about this topic. This is just get in the trenches. Have a little discipline. Switch around some priorities. Maybe say no to something. And spend 15 minutes with the God of the universe. It sounds so simple when we put it that way. But our busy schedule just eat us alive. Our kids eat us alive. Our careers and our desire to move up the ladder eat us alive. And before we know it, it's all about jumping through hoops. It's all about showing up at a building. And we have no idea what it really means to have a relationship with you. Father, may we be mature enough not just to come to you with our long laundry list of things we want and need and desire. Nothing wrong with that. But Father, if we don't listen to you, it's not a relationship. And I pray that you would prepare our hearts and minds for what you're going to do in us and through us as we learn that we can only do your will when we know what it is. Your kingdom come, your desire be done on earth as it is in heaven. Father, help us to understand what that looks like in our lives. And I give you the credit and the glory for what you're going to do. In your name we pray. Amen. Love you guys. Thank you so much for joining us for this week's message. We are so excited to be a small part of the great things God is doing in and through your life. If you would like to take the next step in your spiritual journey, download our app to find ways to connect, opportunities to serve, and other resources. And if you'd like to contribute financially to our vision of reaching the triangle and changing the world, visit us at gethope.net slash giving. 
Thank you for your commitment to resourcing hope as we love people where they are and encourage them to grow in their relationship with Jesus. 